This morning, we want to welcome you to Water Sunday. And, uh, and I know most of you are, are asking yourself, what on earth is Water Sunday? And why did they give me a bottle of dirty-looking water when I walked in to the service today? And Water Sunday is a day where the young adults here at GT want to make you aware of a very serious issue that's happening outside the walls of these church and that's happening beyond the borders of this country, and it's the issue of clean water. Life's most basic need, water. I mean, just think about what you did today when you woke up this morning. Chances are that you used water quite a bit. You probably did a lot of things with fresh, clean water without even thinking about it, right? You probably brushed your teeth, I hope, with some clean water this morning. Some of you took a shower with clean water. Some of you may have shaved this morning with some clean tap water. Some of you can't even start your day without a cup of coffee that's made of fresh, clean water. So can you imagine your life without clean water? Clean water in our country is something that you and I, we take for granted so often. But for many people around the world, life without clean water is just life. Life without clean water for almost a billion people around the world is just normal. There are so many people around the world who don't know life apart from dirty and diseased water. You see, there's this water crisis around the world, and this is a crisis because the problem starts with water. Everything is affected by water. Water affects education. Water affects health. Water-related issues affect poverty, and water especially affects women and children. And most of these families who are caught in the middle of the water crisis live on less than $1 a day. They can't just go to the faucet for a nice cold glass of water because they don't have a faucet. Instead, women and children will grab a a jerry can or, or a bucket like one of these here at the front. And a lot of them will walk up to three hours a day just to fetch water from the nearest river or swamp or a pond that's most likely exposed to all types of diseases like dysteria and cholera and typhoid. I mean, can you imagine going out this morning, collecting water and giving this to your kids to drink? Or having this to brush your teeth with? Or washing your clothes with water that looks like this? I mean, their water is pretty disgusting. It's full of all sorts of nasty diseases. And half the world's hospital beds are full of people who are sick because they drink water that looks like this. Diarrheal illness is the second leading cause of death worldwide. And they know that their water isn't clean, but they have no choice. I mean, can you imagine... That this was what you had to drink. And while you may never hear about this in the news, every 19 seconds a mother loses her baby because of a water-related illness. You know, time spent gathering water is time that people can't spend 
learning how to read. It's time they can't spend taking care of their families. It's time that they can't spend earning a proper income. And here's the crazy thing. God has created the earth in such a way that this problem is solvable. Because our planet was created with water. But it's up to you and I to get it to these people. So a number of years ago, the the young adults here at Glad Tidings were so moved and so challenged after learning more about the global water crisis. And we committed ourselves to doing something about it. Because we realized that we can save some lives by providing safe water to people who are in need. And if we could meet the physical need for safe water, then we can also provide a platform to present Jesus, who is our living water. So after a lot of seeking and after a lot of praying, the Lord led us to this community called Encarian, located in the Rift Valley in Kenya. And this is a community that has 1,300 people in it, it has 300 of those people are, are, are little kids, students in, this, in their school. The local people are farmers and nomads. A lot of them walk 10 to 15 kilometers a day to get water from a local dam. And this same dam is uh, what Esther told me. Esther had, had the opportunity of going down. She, she was able to, to see the place, talk to some people to see the dam, and she told me that the same dam that they collect their water to drink is the same dam where they clean their livestock. And Carrion is this really difficult region to travel to. No one wants to go there. No one wants to be there. And so there aren't reliable resources available at this location. And so it's been so hard for us as a team on this side of the border on uh, this side of the world to try to get some quotes, to get some quotes for a reliable hydrogeological survey and to get some quotes for, um, for drilling. And um, the team went back to pray and we did some more research and learning and we prayed some more. And finally, we've partnered with Water Missions International, which is this Christian engineering group who seeks to bring clean water solutions to the developing world. And finally, this year, we were able to complete a successful hydrogeological survey. And with the help of Water Missions International, we were able to determine this two-phase process that we want to talk to you about in order to carry out a safe water project for the people in Encarian. And so phase one of the project is the drilling attempt, and phase two is is the installation of solar pumps, a treatment system, installation of taps, and the installation of a water tank. Sanitation education is also involved in in phase two. And we want you to know that the estimate to drill and complete phase one is going to be $26,000. And the young adult group here, the Elevate group, have done a whole lot of fundraising over the last few years, and we have $14,000 that's earmarked towards the water project, which is great news because we are more than halfway in completing phase one of bringing people some safe water. You know, in the book of Esther, we're told that 
there's this man by the name of Haman who was this high official in the Persian palace. And Haman plotted to kill all of the Jews in the kingdom. And so during this crucial time, during this time of crisis, Esther calls all of her people to fast and to pray. And the result was that God rescued the people from destruction. And so this morning, the Elevate Young Adult group here at GT is calling on the church at such a time as this to join us in a beverage fast that we would be able to help save lives in the Encarian community. And so this is where we need your help. We need your help with completing the fundraising portion of phase one. But more than that, we need you to come and join us in prayer. Pray that we will be able to find a viable source of water in Encarian. You know, even though we've done this hydrogeological survey, there is no guarantee that water is even at any site. No one can guarantee that. So more than anything else, we ask you to join us in prayer so that when we drill, we would be able to hit a viable source of water for the people of Encarian. And so this is the beverage fast. We're asking you to skip or replace all beverages for water over the course of the next six weeks. And if you're looking for something to sacrifice during the season of Lent, maybe beverages is what you should sacrifice this year. So if you normally go to Dunkin' Donuts or Starbucks or McDonald's, we ask that you get water. When you go to the grocery store, we're asking that you pass on buying juice and soda. And when you're out to lunch or dinner, we ask that you drink water instead of buying a beverage. And when you sit down to finally have that glass of water to drink, we're asking you just to say a quick prayer and pray that we hit water when we drill in Encarian. I know there's some of you here who might be thinking that, man, $12,000, $12,000 more is a difficult amount to reach to finish off phase one of the water project. And so as part of the beverage fast, we're asking you to calculate what you would have spent on those drinks and reallocate those funds. So if you drink one coffee for $2 a day, if you drink that five days a week, that's $10 a week. And over the course of the six weeks, that becomes $60 that's reallocated from your coffee drinking. Not to mention soft drinks and juices and other drinks that you may buy. And so if the adults and both of our services helped with $60 in the next six weeks, we'll be able to raise that $12,000 to finish phase one of the water project for the people of Encarian. And so I hope you kind of understand what we're getting at here. This is a really different kind of fast. We're asking you to make a sacrifice first and foremost. Sacrifice your beverages for the next six weeks. The next thing we're asking you to do is pray. We're asking that you pray hard for a viable source of water. And the last thing that we want you to realize is that we're not asking you for any more money that, you've or, that you would have already spent. We're asking you just to simply reallocate your, your spending to help save some lives. Reallocate the money that you would have spent anyways 
to, to help kids stay in school. Reallocate your funds to give kids a chance to do well in their studies. Reallocate your funds to show people the love of Jesus Christ. And so you can take this water bottle and you can leave this on your kitchen table or you can leave this at your desk at work as a reminder of the problems that the people of Encarian are facing. And let it serve as a reminder that we are doing something about it. And when you look at this bottle, begin to pray for the people in Encarian. Pray that God would continue to use us to help bring them safe water. Or you can drink this water. It's just some food coloring and some cinnamon in it. It's safe. You can drink it. Or you can empty it out, rinse it out, and you can use this to put your change that you collect from the beverages that you pass on over the next six weeks. The last thing that we want you to do is mark your calendars for collection day on Sunday, March the 20th. Now, we'll have a bucket outside at the usher table for you to come in and, and all of the beverages that you've, that you've re, the spending that you reallocated, you can, you can put that and drop that into the bucket on a weekly basis or you can come on collection day on Sunday, March the 20th, which coincides with World Water Day. And if we can raise the next $12,000 this year, we'll be ready to drill a well for the people in Encarian and be ready to bring hope for the people of Encarian. Let me just tell you a couple stories that we've heard. And there's a teacher by the name of Florence from the Encarian School who recently wrote to us and she explained their situation. And this is what she said. We collect water from the dam, which is dirty. Most of the times we don't boil it. And so we suffer from typhoid. And because of this, we need to buy a lot of medicine School-aged children don't attend classes regularly because they're always sick, which is the reason why they perform poorly. Jeremiah, who's a, a local farmer in the area, said, With clean water, diseases like typhoid will reduce, and I will be able to spend my time well, and the money spent on medicine can be used for other economic activities. My children will be able to, to attend school without missing classes Due to, to, due to diseases, which are very common here. Joseph, who's a youth in the area, says, Right now our children attend school but are missing many classes due to waterborne diseases. Clean water will reduce these diseases, allowing our children to be more healthy. And if our children are healthy, they can perform well in their classes. You know, maybe you're here today and you're saying to yourself, why should I be so concerned with someone else's water situation? I mean, I came here and I'm dealing with a whole host of issues myself, and this is the last thing that's on my mind right now. And if you're in that boat, I want to tell you that Jesus is concerned about your needs, and he's concerned about the things that are going on in your life right now. But he's also concerned with what we do with those who are suffering. And Jesus is deeply concerned with how we respond to those who are in desperate need. 
So if you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to Matthew chapter 25, verse 31 onwards. Matthew 25, 31. This morning, I just want to bring a few things to your attention and then we'll close in prayer. You know, this happens to be Jesus' last sermon before he heads his, on his way towards the cross. And this is what he says in verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. And as we read the next verses together, I'm hoping that you'll think about the pictures of these kids and the dam that the people use and carry in to get their water. Listen to the words of Jesus in verse 35. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. And I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. And then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothed you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go and visit you? And the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. And I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you didn't clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. And they will answer the Lord, saying, Lord, when do we see you hungry and thirsty or a stranger and did not help you? And he will say, truly, I tell you, whatever you did not do for the least of these, you did not do for me. And then they will go away to their eternal punishment, but the righteous to their eternal life. Well, this is a tough passage to read, isn't it? It's a tough passage to, to kind of grasp and understand because, man, that's harsh. He says, God will separate his obedient followers from pretenders and from unbelievers. Now, now Jesus isn't saying here that good deeds are automatically going to get you into heaven. No. But what he is saying is that a life that is totally committed to living for Jesus will automatically flow from it deeds of mercy and grace and acts of kindness and love and justice and compassion. And so the first thing that I want to tell you is I want you to recognize this morning the simple responses in actions of true followers. True followers give someone something to eat. It's pretty straightforward, isn't it? This is a simple response in action. Giving someone something to eat. Giving someone clothes to wear. 
It's pretty simple, isn't it? Visiting someone who may be lonely, self-explanatory. And how about giving someone who is thirsty a drink? I mean, these are simple, basic things. There's no prestige in this. Just simple things that any wealthy person can participate. Any middle-class person can take part in. Anyone who is breathing can do. God's followers aren't recognized by saying, Lord, Lord, and praying day and night or singing songs of worship in a church building. But Jesus identifies his followers as people who are willing to take action and care for those who are in need out of this heart of gratitude that's only found in Jesus. You know, what's interesting is that Jesus talks about those who are hungry, but he also makes this distinction between those who are thirsty. You ever wondered why he's so concerned with those who are thirsty? I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. And I'm starting to believe that Jesus is very concerned with people drinking dirty and unsafe water. You know, growing up in Nazareth, Jesus knew what it was like to be poor. He came from a poor family. He lived in this poor town. And Nazareth didn't have these natural resources that was readily available like the other neighboring towns. Those who were living in Nazareth were destitute. And so here is Jesus, the king of the universe, coming down to live with a family who's destitute. And Jesus, he's here, he's living in a place where water isn't readily available for him or the other Nazarenes. And because they didn't have this good water supply, the people of Nazareth, they're always sick. And so now I'm beginning to believe that Jesus knows all too well about the water crisis. I mean, he experienced what it was like to go and fetch water. He experienced what it was like to have a poor water supply. And he says, those who care about me will give water to those who are thirsty. The second thing that I want you to notice here is that the righteous use their resources to be a blessing. There's this unusual part in the judgment scene here where those on the left they try to excuse themselves on the grounds that they had no opportunity to help the down and outers. Right? They, they look at Jesus and they say, Lord, when do we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or in prison and, and didn't minister to you? And meanwhile, those who were on the right, they were surprised that they were being given credit for showing some compassion to other people. And meanwhile, the others, they're a little agitated and they say, when do we see you like that? When do we not minister to you? And the king says to them, he says, surely I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do for the least of these, you did not do for me. And so those on the left they're lost forever because they fail to notice the many opportunities that were given to them for showing some kindness and showing some compassion and showing some grace and for showing the love of Jesus in a simple act of kindness. 
And so I want to remind you this morning that God has blessed us in order to be a blessing to someone else. All of us have been given something that we can share with somebody in need. And if we don't take the opportunities that we have to show some grace and mercy and compassion to others, and if we just squander, and if we just hoard all of the gifts that were given to us for ourselves, then all of these things will eventually be taken away. And so here we are, you and I, as ambassadors for Jesus. I mean, he has placed us here to be his hands and to be his feet. He has placed us here to use us to be a blessing to those who are in need. And so I want to tell you this morning If you want to be rich in your understanding of who God is, then be a blessing to someone else. And and if you want to grow in your walk with God, then begin to serve those in need. If you want a deeper worship experience, then visit the lonely, clothe the naked, feed the hungry, and bring water to the thirsty. This morning as we were entering into worship, you know, some of us can look out and we see the faces of of all those who are here. And man, that was tough to worship for some of you this morning. I don't know what's going on in your hearts and I don't know what's going on in your lives. And I don't know why it was such a hard thing to do this morning to come and to worship. But if you're looking for that deeper worship experience... We need to get our eyes off of ourselves. We need to get our feet into action and serve other people. If your life in Christ has become dry and boring, perhaps it's time for you to take some action. Maybe while we're serving other people, Maybe while we're caring for the lonely. Maybe while we're seeking to meet the needs of the down and outers. Maybe you would gain some perspective from the Lord in terms of your own situations. In terms of your own circumstances. In terms of the things that your family is already dealing with. Jesus has given you and I this special responsibility to feed the hungry to clothe the naked, to look after those who are suffering, and to give someone a drink when they're thirsty. Serving others is this simple way to light a spark in your spiritual lives. If you want to have this vibrant, living walk with God, it takes more than just believing. It takes some action on your part. Sometimes we can get so caught up with our everyday lives that we miss the opportunity to serve the people who are around us. We can get so caught up with our personal schedules and wrapped up only in our personal family affairs. But if we would start making some sacrifices in our lives for other people, maybe 
we'd come to get to know the Lord Jesus just a little bit better. With our eyes closed. We're going to spend just a little bit more time here in worship. I'm going to ask if the prayer team would come forward. morning, I'd like us to spend some time praying for those people in Encarian. I begin to pray for this water project with us. I begin to pray for those in Encarian who are sick because of the water that they're drinking. And then I want to ask you just to begin to pray ask God to reveal to you how you can meet the needs of other people this week. And all who are 